are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Ready? Go, go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. <laughs> Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. You are here for a reason, and today the reason is love. Jesse, we're going to talk about love because if you are going to describe God, it's the only word in our language that really encapsulates the essence of God. Absolutely. The scripture says God is love. And to know him, to really know one another, you have to know how to love. And, you know, obviously to love God is the number one commandment. But I'm going to venture to say the number two is we have to love other people. And it's our relationships. It's not just between a man and a wife, a man or a woman and a child. Uh, it's to love your neighbor as well, which is a commandment. And uh, we have so many relationships, Jesse, where, you know, if you have a job, you have relationships at your work, you have relationships with your boss, you have relationships with your neighbor, you have relationships with someone at the store you go to. And today, you are going to be treated because our guest is fantastic. I've known him uh, for years. He is a good friend of mine and his lovely wife as well. And uh, here's what he's going to teach you. Jesse, this is this is amazing. I'm excited. So he's been married for a long time. I forget the exact amount of years, but it's like 40 years. Okay. Wow. It, it's, it's in that, it's in that neighborhood. His marriage is a great marriage. And I can verify that because he uses the F word. Not sure what to say about that, Jeff. <laughs> and not only does he use the F word, Jesse, but he uses many F words and he puts them into practice. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, th- this is certainly going to get more and more interesting as we get on with the show. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I think it will be. I think it will be. So, uh, but just before we do, we have a couple quick announcements. Jesse, we put out a very time sensitive message on your new book. Just tell us how that went and uh, is the regular book available now? Yes, the regular book is now available on Amazon. Uh, again, I'd encourage, um, it still shows that the one that was only available for 24 hours is still up. Uh, they keep that up so that they can fulfill orders. But it's really not an active link. So if you order off of there, I can't guarantee that you're going to get anything. So I would just encourage people don't order the limited edition. Um, the regular one is up there. So it would just be the five minutes with um, of grief with God. And that is now active. So I would encourage you to get that. And it's a really great book. So uh, both, it is. you know, it's for somebody who may, you know, if you're personally experiencing grief, uh, it's certainly going to be helpful to you. But also if you're working or if you know somebody who's experiencing grief, it's going to help you to understand how to walk through that time with somebody who's grieving. So either or. 
and, and it's not a sad book by any means. I, I happen no. to know the content of it. I haven't read it yet, but it's not a sad book. And the thing is, uh, you're going to be encouraged by reading it, but not only that, um, at some point in time, you're going to have some grief. Wouldn't it be better to know how to deal with it in advance of that time right. or in advance of your friend losing someone or going through a very difficult time? So uh, it's a really pertinent book. It's part of the human experience. And I encourage you to go pick it up on Amazon today. And if you're foolish and you try to order the limited edition, if the book doesn't show up, then you got to go through Amazon customer service and stuff like that and try to get your money back. Yeah. Don't email us. Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, so you got to deal with that on your own. So it's on your own conviction. We're just saying don't order it because the files are there to only fulfill the orders that are there right now. That's yeah. an important point. All right, Jesse, let's talk about Telegram for a second. And I'm going to share a, a bit of a story with you as well. Um, okay. So first of all, with Telegram, we have several channels and there's still some confusion, even though we put up community notices every day that spill it out. So we're just going to go through this really quick. We have a chat channel. We have a dig channel. We have our main channel. We have a prayer channel. And actually, I never, I don't often uh, mention enough that we actually have a channel which is focused on just Jesse's tweets for those of us who have been banned from Twitter. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so listen, Jesse, what is the Right On Radio chat channel for? Uh, that is for community chatting. So if you want to get on, you want to get to know people, spend time, uh, maybe have discussions, that's a great place to do it. And then we have one called Digs. Jesse, what is Digs for? Uh, Digs is if you want to know what we're looking into and researching and see some of that research or intel, uh, that's a great place to go and get that information and add if you have information, you can add it there as well. Yeah, and it's a bit of the Wild West. We let people post pretty much whatever unless it's advertising another show or it's a Bitcoin thing. They, those get deleted really quick. Um, then we have our main channel, which is just right on radio, and that is curated news, essentially. And by the way, when we say curate, curate, it's not necessarily all vetted. I want to be clear on that, but it's a big enough story that people are talking about it, so we put it up there, and then you can use your discernment. And then, Jesse, the most important one is we have our prayers channel, right on radio prayers. What is the prayer channel for? That is if you have prayer requests, you can post those there. Or if you're wanting to help um, serve those in our community through prayer, you can go on there and see how you can be praying and supporting others. That's right. It's only for prayer. If you start chatting on there, we're going to ban you from it. That that's It's a sacred channel, folks. And, and by the way, our prayer that we do every Saturday night, our singing poor prayer celebration right. is not on the prayer channel. It's on the right on radio main channel. So you really need to subscribe to that to get in there. So Jesse, my wife, after a year now, has decided to join Telegram. I'm excited about this, Jeff. I promise and, and we won't get in trouble together. And well, the thing is, is she's hiding her identity and I have the best nickname for her. I encourage her to use it, but she doesn't. And she has a name that no one's going to recognize. She's essentially just trolling me. I think Jesse is what it is. I think she needs to Jeff. I encourage her to continue. 
<laughs> well, so I'm not allowed to give out her handle because she does want to remain incognito. And that would make her or make you her handler. So we're not going to go there, Jeff. <laughs> but I'm so I'm not going to give out her handle, but I'm going to give a couple hints. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah. So this is the this is the the rebel with claws. Okay. So if you see me converting with someone with a kind of a female handle, hint number one, and I yeah. say something like, hey, what are you wearing today? Oh, I thought it was going to be the, hey, baby, do you want to do my laundry today? <laughs> you know, just she, listen, she, I'm such a romantic, Jesse. Uh, I'm sure she thanks God for the amount of romance that, uh, that I expose every day. But uh, I'm sure she does. Uh, you know, I can't debate that. Only she can. <laughs> now, so question number two, if you see me asking this question, this is another hint. Are you into leather? <laughs> is that going to come with the, the word, you know, leather seats and, and have to do with motorcycles? <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Just, are you into leather? Okay, so we're going to watch for you making these comments to a random woman in the chat. That's right. Okay. And how about... Uh... No, I can't say that one. We'll just leave <laughs> it at those two questions. But if you see me asking those two questions, be assured it's not my wife. <laughs> If I can support that, Jeff, as your sister in Christ, I'm going to have to say you can only say that to your wife. <coughs> well, I already know what she's wearing, and I know she's not really into leather. <laughs> so your purpose is just to inform us that that random person is it's not my your wife. wife. That's right. Is not your wife. Okay. <laughs> okay. You see how much we need the love guru here. <laughs> Definitely. And he probably we doesn't like that. the term the love guru. Uh, Jesse, before I bring on Jim, uh, would you like to, you had a somewhat of a prophetic vision. I don't even know what it is yet, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it's going to work. Yeah, I'll try to keep that eye. short, but it, it kind of does. It deals definitely with relationships. Um, as we're praying about going into Orlando, uh, it's interesting. The Lord brought back a word that um, he had given several months ago, probably back towards July, uh, but it dealt with the deep waters. And originally the word or the, we call them puzzle pieces. Sometimes the Lord will start to give revelations, but we just have pieces of them and we have to continue to pray for, for the full revelation. The word that he had given at that time about the deep waters was out of Genesis 1, that the Spirit of God hovers over the surface of the deep. Um, as we've, you know, prayed into this um, word more, uh, the Lord has shown us some other things like, you know, that one of our main nemesis that we're dealing with as we go out to do the work of the Lord is Leviathan. Um, we know in scripture that you know, the Holy Spirit hovers over the surface of the deep. So wherever the spirit of God is moving, that tends to be also where Leviathan likes to frolic and cause havoc and destruction. 
And so we've been praying against, you know, his work against him um, coming against this work that God is about to do. So as we were praying this morning, um, the Lord was showing us more pieces that um, there was a prophetic word that I had put out from um, an apostolic teacher named Colette uh, last March. And uh, Colette had um, spoken about some of the positions that prophets are those who see the vision of God and evangelists are those who identify the living stones, which we think about people as being those living stones. And they also have the ability to work with the apostles to cut those stones according to the Lord's will, according to the specification for their purpose and their placement. And so as we're praying into that this morning, um, the Lord kind of brought in that connection that you kind of have the deep waters are kind of off to the side. And really our work is we're coming into new places to tear down the strongholds that those really become desert places. But the Lord wants to break up that ground. He wants to have his living water flow through it. But there's a process to get that deep water from the place where it is to that dry ground where then you have the springs of living water or the springs of salvation welling up in those dry places. And that's when you'll see, you know, the captives set free, the harvest happening. So that's kind of some of the things that the Lord was showing us this morning. And I think that fits perfectly into, uh, I'm sure, the conversation we're going to have with Jim today about relationships. It sure does. And uh, just as we bring on Jim, actually, I got I to gotta say this first. Uh, this episode is brought to you by My Liberty Stand. Join our fight, sign up for My Liberty Stand, and let one of your fellow listeners reach out and contact you. And it, we're just, it's just an amazing community that we've built. So go to mylibertystand.com. And uh, so just as, as we bring on Jim, I'll just give you a bit of a background. Uh, so my wife had met Jim's wife. And then she met Jim uh, all in one day. She, they were at a conference and my wife came home going, you got to meet this guy, Jim, Jeff. He's like, he's going to be one of your best friends. Uh, you guys have so much in common and, and stuff like that. And uh, it's true. We, we did meet. And the very first time we met, we ended up going out to dinner that night, uh, just then continuing on. And we talked about motorcycles and all kinds of different stuff. And then uh, Jim and I actually ended up doing a speaking tour together and, and it really deepened our relationship. And uh, I really do trust this man. And so without further ado, let's bring on Jim Hetherington. Hey, Jim, welcome to Right On Radio. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you guys. Yeah. Great to meet you. Right on, right on, right on. Yes, sir, is is right on, right on, right on. So, Jim, I teased you were coming on by saying you use a lot of F words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Repeatedly. Every day. Uh, to your wife, you know, and this <laughs> makes your marriage great. So I, I'm really kind of wondering what it is. <laughs> like, yeah. So, 
so Jim, before we get in, just dispel any any negative thoughts that are going out there right now. What are some of the F words you use? Sure. So some of the F words I use, they're they're all PG, they're all clean. Uh, but I talk about future goals. I talk about faith. I talk about finance, friendship, family. I talk about those kind of F words. <laughs> That's those great. are my and, favorite ones. And, and, and also frisky. Frisky, yes, yeah. <laughs> the frisky, frolicky part. And and we're going to get into it because these are really some great tools that uh, that everyone can use. And as I say, it's in every relationship that you do. But but Jim, we're confronted, and because you're such an expert on this, and I know you to be an expert. Uh, by the way, there's a bit of your background. Uh, tell us about uh, your your background and what got you up to this and your qualifications. Yeah, so like you you shared earlier, I've been married for th uh, for forty years. I'll be uh, forty years next May that uh, Mary wow. and I have been married, and uh, I was uh, a youth pastor. I pastored for twenty three years. I've run my own renovation construction company for twenty six years. I've been coaching and mentoring for over thirty years. So I tell people it's safe to say I know a little bit about relationships, and I know how to get in the doghouse and out of the doghouse really well after all these years. So that's, <laughs> that's my qualifications. That's a skill that has to be taught and Absolutely. learned. Absolutely. I know too many guys that just spend all their time in the doghouse and can't figure out how to get out. Mm -hmm. Jeff, you're rolling your eyes. Why is that? I, I, know. I think Jeff, there was something that resonated with Jeff on that point. <laughs> actually, I, I actually spend very little time in the doghouse. And truthfully, uh, Jim, when I went to one of your seminars, uh, even beyond the speaking tours that we did, uh, I actually started applying uh, these things. And, and you know, listen, I want to be uh, honest as well. Uh, we get lazy. It's good to have a reminder and it's good to check back in. And for me to even go into this material again before uh, doing the interview uh, with you has been helpful and I'm going to keep applying it. That's great to hear. <laughs> so, Jim, I, I want to start out with something just a little bit fun because it came up on a previous show. And it, it's a hypothetical scenario, if you're willing to play along. I'm always willing to play along. Okay, so here's the hypothetical scenario. Jesse has an unusual background, let's just say. And so if Jesse was on the market, I'm not saying she is, I'm not saying she, but if she was, and, and by the way, a lot of people in our audience have uh, also you know, similar stories. They're whistleblowers. They're, uh, they've been victimized before. In fact, listen, one in four women has been victimized and there's a lot of hurt there and, and to deal with it. So, uh, I wanted to just play a, a scenario and uh, granted you're happily married and everything else, but if, if someone was going to court someone, I want to just see what that would look like. And so, you know, typically, let's say, let's say Jeff set you guys up on a on a date. You don't know each other. Uh, you sit down. You're at a dinner table or something like that. And then, so Jim, introduce yourself. Give kind of your elevator pitch to your potential uh, relationship. And then Jesse, I want you to respond with your elevator pitch. And you know, addressing how the things in going forward with another potential relationship is that okay that sounds sure. like fun yeah so let's uh yeah all right jim i'm gonna let you take it away 
Now, you know what? I have to say it's it's been a long, 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 long time since I sat down of, across from a table from somebody potentially to to talk to. But uh, yeah, so Jesse, it's it's a pleasure to meet you. I, I'm so excited that Jeff set us up to uh, to, to meet like this. I mean, it, it's a safe place because, you know, you could just click your camera and, you know, just be gone. So it, it's a safe, uh, safe. Way I like that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's almost a safer place, isn't it? Than just it you is. know, actually doing it in, in person because I don't like uh, pressures. Do you enjoy pressure? No, I'm not into those either. No, because it's just the pressure to perform the, you know, all those anxieties to, that, that come along with that. So tell me a little bit about you, though. Jeff didn't give me much of a background. He didn't say anything other than you were just the most amazing person in the world. And I had to meet you. OK, well, you know, I don't know where to start. I've got a very extensive background and um, you know, maybe if I start present day and work backwards just a bit. Um, I'm a chaplain and I do a lot of what's considered community chaplain work um, because of my, I'll just say, unique childhood. Um, you know, I focus my chaplain work on things that connect with my past. So that would include, you know, working with the military, working with the veterans. I also you know, work with supporting uh, whistleblowers and individuals who have uh, particularly, you know, whistleblown um, at the federal level against child trafficking mm -hmm. and uh, satanic ritualistic abuse. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I can, I can, I can hear your heart in, in all of that. You've got a really compassionate heart that you really care about everybody at, at, many different levels. I think we, we share a common ground in that, that I've always, yeah. uh, you know, had a heart to encourage people to help people. Uh, I can remember when I was younger, you know, it used to kill me to watch somebody, you know, back in the day when hitchhiking was a big thing, I would turn around if I saw a young woman hitchhiking, I would turn around and go out of my way to pick them up and take them home or take them wherever wow. they were going, because that was just my heart. I just had a heart to really yeah. and that to continued on. And keep safe and yeah, yeah yeah it just killed me to see them out there it just destroyed me and that was something that's really been in my heart as well all these years is just to uh continue to help people at every level so that regardless where i am uh, i'm always looking to to help people so what what is it about you know helping and supporting and encouraging people that you know that makes you do that yeah, well, uh, because I understand the depth of uh, the tragedy or the trauma that individuals in those situations have experienced, um, also that many of them are silenced or um, people don't want to believe or listen to their stories. Hmm. And so, you know, coming out of that place, it I resonate with those individuals that with their struggle that they have. And, you know, as the Lord has commanded me to go forward sharing my story, um, you know, I'm very passionate about helping others come forward to share theirs as well. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you just you just love justice, don't you? Uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Big I think justice. that's what yeah, and I think that's where our hearts kind of line up because I'm I'm the same way. I just absolutely love justice. I I I hate when I see injustices done, and I like to be that voice for people as well to encourage them. And right, that's, but also that's, an enabler and equipper. 
You know, I want to, there's a verse that I love like in Timothy 2.10 where it says, you know, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they may obtain their salvation in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Mm. So it's not just getting to the end of the race or finishing the race or seeing others finish the race. I want to see them finish that race with eternal glory. Sure, sure. Yeah, not just not just you know striving to drag themselves over the line, but to to show them that right. there's, there's a hope and a way to do it victoriously and 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 in strength and power. Absolutely, but you know I've got that tough side too, as Jeff can tell you. You know, uh, you know there's some that you know the Lord just puts them on my heart and I intercede and pray for them. But you know I often joke that if they don't want to, you know, come across that line that. You know, they might get a boot kick or, you know, get dragged across it someday. <laughs> sure, sure. So. No, that's that's great. I love it. So what I want to point out here, and by the way, Jim, for, for you know, the guy who hasn't done this in 40 years, you know, at least in the That was great, Jim. Life. Yeah, I felt so comfortable. I felt like instead of the like, <gasps> like what's, what's going to be thought? It just felt very comfortable. Like, hey, I can share my story in a way that's not going to make the guy get up and, you know, run from the table immediately. Sure, sure. And I mean, that's the truth of it, isn't it? With relationships is making people feel comfortable in the moment. It doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done. It's what we're doing moving forward. That's that's what counts. That's what defines us. And I think that's yeah. part of, you know, that that relationship building is just saying, okay, you know, I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to be analytical. I'm not going to be any of those things. I just, here's two people in this moment, in this time, what can we build moving forward? How can we make it better going forward? Yeah. And and not only in, in this scenario that was painted, but Jim, what you did was, I thought was beautiful. You disarmed immediately and and you made, a, a, you know, it made, it's, it's safe to be vulnerable here. And Quite honestly, uh, you know, if you don't, if you're not willing to make yourself vulnerable in a relationship, uh, and it has to be safe to be vulnerable. So you disarmed, uh, you were put in a spot. Okay, look, you, you can be, it's, you can be okay here, and then you quickly establish a common ground hmm. by just reinforcing a point that she had made. And I think this can be done in almost any relationship. No, you're absolutely right. And I think the important thing to remember is, is that we, we yield a little bit at a time, right? Each side. If, if one person lays down too much of who they are and reveals too much and the other person is just kind of standing up and they're not revealing anything, that, that's a red flag, you know, that, that, hey, maybe I need to not, you know, you know, give out so much so quickly until I see that yielding. Because what happens is if one, you know, yields everything or, or you know, opens up and exposes everything and the other doesn't, then that almost puts this one in control. And that so often happens in relationships that one can control over the other because they've emotionally surrendered and the other one's taken advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to remember just to give that little bit each time as we get to know each other. And and further to that point, because one of the, well, the, I, I say the greatest religion on earth right now is selfishness. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people, only want to talk about themselves and they're not listening to the other person and that person uh who's not listening and only talking about themselves is really setting themselves up for a, a disadvantage in that relationship 
Yes. No, absolutely. You know, I, I tell people all the time, look, at, you, you need to, to pour more into the relationship than you take out of it. Right. If yeah. we if we could take that heart and that position of just wanting to make that person better, regardless, regardless of what I come away with, we just our full intention is just to make that person feel better about themselves. Like when I get in, engaged in conversations, when I meet people, I want them to miss me when I leave. I, I don't want them going, man, I'm ever glad that guy left the room. Like we've been in those conversations, haven't we? Like, it, like the person's just telling you everything about themselves. It's like, I just asked for directions, you know, like and they're telling you the like story. Right. But it's just what what are you, what are we putting into the into the relationship as we pour into it? Sure, we can expect so much more out of it, but it's just making that other person feel valued, feel important feel like they're they're worth the time and the energy investing in and that it's not like what can i take out of it what can i get out of it for myself mm -hmm. and i think it's important to note that you know again not to judge uh people are at different stages in life but every single person is worth putting that effort into yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. Even even the ones that are, you know, just seem a little hard and crusty on the outside. You know, it's just that that tender approach, just maybe treating them with some dignity, some respect, honoring them. You, you know, even if they're being belligerent, just just, you know, still saying, OK, I'm going to value you as a person, regardless of what you feel about yourself right now. I'm going to value you as a person because you never know what that's going to do down the road. You know, I've always mm -hmm. told people that, you know, just smiling, saying hi, greeting, engaging in conversation. You just never know what that's going to do to the person as they continue on through their day and engage in the next opportunity, next opportunity. And especially as believers, you know, we don't have to necessarily, you know, read them the whole right act right off the bat. It's just maybe just extending some love and grace to them so that it opens them up. So the further down the road, they're going to engage in other in conversations and meet other people that will be able to share even more and, you know, and just express more of that love to them. Yeah. I appreciated how you know, like often you get in that position where there's that uncomfortable silence. People don't know what to do next or what to say. Then you're both just there stuck feeling awkward. And, you know, most of the time in my past, you know, trying to share anything about my past with somebody else, we very quickly get into that place of uncomfortable silence. And then it makes me feel like I can't share anymore or I can't connect so, you know, it was a really good method you were teaching where, you know, you would take things that I had said and either ask another question or you would use it to somehow relate to something in your life, you know, to share a story or to, um, you know, share something, reveal something about yourself, like what you valued or um, I guess I don't know the other word for it, but you you would share a piece of yourself with that so then it made that relatable connection versus sure, sure. just feeling like we're both sitting there in silence not knowing where to go and this is now awkward and <laughs> we're yeah. both wanting to run from the table and never see each other again that's right yeah that's right yeah but it's so true you know just using that last moment that last thing and just introducing something personal about yourself because if somebody's sharing something is i if i'm sharing stuff you know, with you guys, and I'm being a little bit vulnerable in a normal conversation, I'd want to see a little bit of that reciprocated. 
I'd want to mm -hmm. see some vulnerability because then again, it's that whole yielding thing. Now I know we're surrendering, we're, we're digging in, we're, we're leaning into this friendship and relationship. And so often that's, that can be the, the detriment of so many relationships, you know, it's just one ex exposing and sharing and being vulnerable and the other one just going, oh yeah, that's nice, that's nice, that's nice and not doing anything in, in return. And I think yeah. guys, we're the worst at it because emotionally we can't, we're just not equipped the same way as you women are. I mean, God just made us uniquely and wonderfully different and I'm thankful for that. But women, you, you just have a great way of connecting emotionally on a deeper level and it's something that us guys, we just, we just struggle with. And yeah. so many guys just aren't, we're, we're just never taught. I mean, think back and through school, you know, what classes did we take on relationships? What courses did we take on becoming a good partner, a good friend, a good support system? But it, it just doesn't exist. We're, we're, we're left to discover these things on our own. And that's why there's so many poor choices. And we make so many bad choices growing up in, in relationships, other relationships and so on is because it, it, we've just been left to deal with this stuff all our own. And so now, it, you know, in the age that we're in now, we're, you know, you know, just teaching and, and so much stuff is available. Now we can grow and, we, and people are becoming more aware of like, oh, I don't have to be this this bump on a log. I can actually change and, and just you know, mm -hmm. be something I can contribute. I can do these things. Yeah. And, you know, guys are learning that, Hey, we don't have to be emotional blobs, right. That we can <laughs> discover our emotions. We can share our feelings and it doesn't make us yeah. any less manly. Not at all. And, and you started not with sharing your own. You started mm -hmm. by identifying mine, which mm -hmm. then gave that sense of validation. It gave me that sense that you were listening, paying attention, you know? So even when you said, you know, boy, you know, you like to have that justified or I forget exactly how you use the word, but had to do with that justifying. And so because you simply acknowledged and identified an emotion I was sharing that, you know, helped me to get to that place of feeling like I could trust further and be more vulnerable. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I love yeah. it. That's uh, that's why it's great. So, Jim, I've always had kind of a rule with relationships, and because at some point, some relationships are toxic. And let's mm -hmm. let's just call it call it what it is. And you know, sure. some people will walk into a room and suck the air out of it. You know, yeah. um, and and I think it's still good to try to approach that person and treat them with that dignity, and maybe try to break those, but. The way of I, I've always looked at relationships, it's like you got to bounce the ball and you bounce the ball to the other person and then the other person should bounce it back to you. And then that keeps you in the relationship. But, you know, there's been so many relationships and even in my life where, you know, if I didn't call that person, that person would never call me. The relationship would just end, you know. And so, so how do we deal with things like that? Yeah, no, that's a great question because I, I run into that uh, that a lot uh you know in in conversation with people they're like i'm always chasing i'm always doing i'm always you know and and i think there's there's a point in time you know and there will be certain relationships like you say that you do need to extend that and we all get that from time to time my wife is amazing at that you know she she you know she'll be going along and not think of a person for the longest time all of a sudden she'll think about them and say i have to call them and then she and she will you know she'll she'll reach out and it just happens to be a critical point a critical time and it was of value Sometimes, you know, like you say, I love your the ball analogy. I think that's that's great. You know, one of the things with relationships is I think that sometimes we we try to take too many people into that close sphere, 
You know, if you look at Jesus, where he had everything, he was a perfect model in this, right? He had the disciples, but out of the disciples, there was two or three that were really close to him. But he had the 12 that he invested in, he spent a lot of time with. Then he had the multitudes, he had, and it just grew up from there. He was always pouring in, but at different levels. And he always knew that he had two or three that he could share all his art. They, they shared the mountaintop experiences. They shared all that stuff with him. And it's the same in our lives. And sometimes I think in relationships where we're trying to, uh, you know, get all the cool people into our circle and be friends with them when it's really not, a, you know, something that's going to happen. So I think it's, it's using our brain more than our hearts when it comes to relationships. Oftentimes we'll just use our, our, our heart and just, you know, we just, we want that because we're, we're, we're created. God's wired us that way. We, we need that, that, that connection. We need to feel that fellowship, that, 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 you know, bond, but we need to use our brain at the same time. And we need to, you know, have checklists. Okay. I've called this guy 70 times. He's never returned one of my calls. Well, maybe he isn't such a, you know, a good friend after all. Maybe, you know, maybe I just need to settle that this, this guy is just an acquaintance. I'll just, you know, pray for him when it, you know, when he comes to mind and, and that's it. And, you know, I think it's just, you know, just kind of evaluating where we are in that, in that circle. Is this someone that, you know, that is, is coming? And then sometimes with relationships, they change, don't they? You know, I can think back 20, 30 years ago, I had some amazingly close friendships that I thought would never end. They did. They, they shifted, they changed. There was, a, there was a kind of a time and a season for that relationship that helped me to grow and and then I needed to develop other relationships rather than staying in that nest of that one relationship and not not growing. Because I think that's part of it, too, that God is always going to call us forward to getting in new circles of friends. Right. Because the whole idea is when we're we need people that help build us at the level that we're at. But then we need to have a circle where we're encouraging them to become their very best, where we're we're helping them to rise the bar. But then there's other circles of influence and relationships that we're in and and those people are helping us to rise the bar and then and we continue to reciprocate that all the way through so i think it's really discerning where we are who is that person what is the connectivity how how big is this circle supposed to be and and developing that way but like you say if it's toxic if it's sucking more energy out of you yeah evaluate it run the other way do whatever is necessary to to keep yourself safe yeah. And Jim, you actually have kind of a, a checklist by using all these F words to measure where you stand in a relationship. And I, I think that would really help to sort out uh, where we stand because let's face it, time is our greatest commodity. And mm -hmm. we want to be able to focus our time on the relationships that we're called to be into and be active. And you're right, they do change over time. Look, people have kids, people move on, people do different things in life. And, but it's also interesting, like in the context of, uh, of being married for a long time, which you have, and you've been blessed to do that. But, you know, a general observation that I have is that, you know, men tend to have friends that last longer. Men don't like change as much. And women's relationships tend to be more fluid. They, uh, you know, change friends a little bit more often and go through different cycles. Uh, so in the context of a marriage, when the man still has his high school friends and the woman's on her third sets of friends, and then the woman tends to gravitate towards the men's friends, because let's face it, you're together. Uh, how does that all play out? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And that's one of the, the things that I talk about in, in my book is, is, is friendship, because 
like you say, they're they're going to change over time. And women, you're you're amazing. You know, you can just be, uh, you know, fluid is a good word because you can sit down and you can make best friends with a woman in five minutes. You know, you can share your hearts, you can share life stories, and you just you you just mesh. You're just on that page. It's just it, it's a wonderful gift. Whereas guys, we're a little bit more rigid when it when it comes to that stuff. But in friendships, especially as it pertains to to marriage or long term relationships, I think it's important to look at the influence of them. And we need to, first of all, give ourselves permission to uh, to talk about those friendships and, mm -hmm. and how we're feeling about those friendships and not take it personal. I mean, so often we get guarded when somebody starts talking about my best friend. You know, if my wife starts talking about my best friend, well, I'm getting guarded. I'm getting defensive. We need to sit back and say, OK, maybe she's right. Maybe I am spending a little bit more time with my friends than I am with her and, and looking at the influence, because if we're, you know, guys, you're right. You know, we could have friends from when we were younger and it may be back in our not so glorious days that, you know, we still have those friends. We have to look at the influence and, and we need to trust our wives or our partners um, perception of that and say, okay, maybe they're right. Maybe this isn't the best influence in my life. And how do I honor this friendship that I have with my spouse or with my partner? How do I honor this and still honor that one? It's finding that, that balance in there, but, the friendship is a key thing uh, to, to really address is the, the influence that they have negative and positive on the outside. And then finding friends that you can have, you know, common ground together as a couple is really important that you like hanging out with those others, you know, because if you're, you're always dragging your, your wife or your husband to dinner dates and out to events and different things, and they're, you know, you're going out with people that you like, but they don't like, it's going to really cause some, some stress. So, so having those conversations around friendship is, is really key because, you know, ultimately, you know, you and your partner want to become best friends. You know, I, I mean, I remember the first time I, I told that to somebody one time, I said, you know, I've been married for 39 years to, to my wife and best friend, Mary. And everybody's like, your best friend, like you married your best friend. What are you talking about? You know, it, it just sounds weird to them. Them. But you know the the truth is we need to have that 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 friendship right. We need to build on that inside a relationship, and we need to to trust each other when we talk about the outside influences of friendships in our lives. Mm -hmm. So, with the with, in the context of a marriage, then uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, Jim, you need someone needs to put their spouse ahead of their friends, obviously, uh, but also be willing to say, listen, if this friendship isn't good for my marriage, I need to perhaps be distant from it. Yeah, I think we need to look at that and be willing to at least entertain that. Uh, you know, sometimes when we're in friendships or relationships, we can be blinded to only the good side, only the upside, only the positive side. You know, we don't see the the other side. We, we may not see the other side of the coin, whereas our spouse or partner may see the other side of the coin. They may see a person in a different light. Um, I'll give you an example. When my wife and I were younger, we were close to this other family and um, they had kids about the same age as our kids. And, you know, we were same ages. And my wife and this this wife, this other wife, they, they became very good friends. But over time, I was seeing that my wife was being influenced in a way that was not positive. She was becoming very negative in our relationship, becoming very negative towards me. And I remember once we were at a dinner with these people at their home and I was ready to leave. My wife and I had both agreed we would leave by, you know, an approximate time. And I suggested to my wife, you know, it's getting close to time. Are you just about ready to go? 
And I left to get some stuff together, get the kids together, get ready to go. And I came back into the room and my wife and this other wife were chatting. And I overheard this wife say, well, if he wants to go, just tell him to go. He can just go on himself. He, you can go whenever you feel like going. And I had to step in at that moment and say, wait a second, you know, and then I brought it to my wife's attention. And she says, you're right. She said, this, this woman has been taking me away from my priority with, with you, with my family and, and, and just the, the love centeredness that I have. And then we ended up distancing that, that relationship a little bit because she started to see uh, the influence. Now she could have gone the opposite way, say no way, you know, and she could have dug in, but she was wise enough to just say, you know what, you're right. This isn't going that way. So I think it's having that kind of openness to be able to say, you know, maybe they're seeing something that I'm not seeing and then just choosing that, you know, I'd rather have a long, happy marriage than just a couple buddies on the side that I see once in a while. Yeah. And I love that intentional engagement. I, I really feel like that's key. You know, I know that a lot of couples that, um, you know, when I was married, some of the issues that we were working through were that, um, you know, you get in this very relaxed, comfortable state. So, you know, it's like for the guys, you know, they'd be like, well, what do you mean? We're, I'm not spending time with you. I'm with you all day long. But it'd be they'd be sitting there watching TV. There, there's no emotional connection. There's no engagement. There's no conversation. Yet just because they're in the room, they're saying, hey, we're together. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I love that, that, you know, drawing your spouse when there's issues or other things, you know, coming to that compromise, discussing it, um, having a plan ahead of time and, you know, that you're in agreement with. And then, you know, when there is a problem, not being afraid to talk about it and to engage in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's so true. I mean, we all have different expectations regardless, you know, expectations of being at home and hanging out expectations of going out and you know, what time we're coming home, what time we're not coming home expectations of what's going to get done, you know, on Saturday around the house, we all have different expectations, but until we discuss those expectations, we're, we're just setting one another up for disaster, right? We're, we're not setting ourselves up for success if we're not sharing our expectations. And I think we need to share them on every level, whether it's in friendships, relationships, what we're doing, what we're not doing, where we're going, where we're not going, how we're dealing with our money, how we're dealing with all these different things. We, we need to talk about those expectations. And if, if relationships, again, are like the second most important thing to God, uh, and I, I think I, I'm pretty confident in standing by that statement, we do need to actually take time and evaluate these things and to actually think about it. It's not just a given. Uh, we need to work at these things. And it's not just between a, a, a woman and a man or a spouse. It could be between, with your boss. It could be, you got to constantly be evaluating in relationship. And with your boss, by the way, that's maybe not a relationship you can get out of real easy. You know, you might need the income. Uh, but you know, Jim, as you were talking about, and I just want to go back to the friend thing for a minute, and this is going to be maybe a tough question. Uh, but one of the scariest things that I think a couple faces is when one of the best friends of either the male or the female goes through a divorce and then that person wants to support them through the divorce, but they're getting filled with all these uh, oh my God, it's so good to be free. And this, you know, because they, often the person who's going through the divorce is trying to convince 
to justify their own feeling. They're trying to convince your spouse that it's the best thing to do. Yeah. And that's an awkward spot because you want to help the person, yeah. but at the same time, you don't want to damage what you've got. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So part of, part of having good friendships is having good boundaries, right? We need to have good boundaries in all our relationships. And in a, in a case like that, then, you know, if, if, you know, heaven forbid that you were divorced and you came to me and you're trying to convince me and I'm trying to support you, you know, we would have to have some good boundaries there. And I, there would be a point where I'd have to say, look, Jeff, I appreciate where you're going through. I'm excited for this new stage of your life. If this is where, you know, you're going, but I'm not going with you. I'll support you and I'll encourage you, but I'm not going with you. It, it's drawing the line in the sand. And I think that's part of what we have to do. We need to know as individuals, we need to know what we value. We need to understand our values and we need to appreciate our values. And, you know, inside a, a relationship, for example, if faithfulness is, is uh, a value that you have, then you need to, you know, there's certain things that you need to sacrifice in order to keep that faithfulness. You know, you know, there's boundaries, you know, there's places you shouldn't go. There's website you shouldn't visit. There's all these different things in order to remain faithful. And I think it's the same in, in friendship. We need to be faithful in friendships, but there's there's boundaries. There's there's limits that we're going to to do within them. And, you know, with a divorce person, you know, going through that and having those conversations. Yeah. Make it clear. I'm going to support you. I'm going to encourage you. I am not going to treat, you know, your ex like my enemy. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff, but I will support you and encourage you. I'm just not going to fall over that line. Uh, that, Great advice. Yeah, boundaries. And, and you know what? It just, it struck me as you said it, when you set those boundaries, you're actually freeing yourself. Oh, yeah. It, it's yeah. because now it's just, it's just off the table. No, no. This is this is the line. I, I don't go over it. And, That's right. And you're not going to be pulled into these uncomfortable situations because you've made up your mind and you have the wisdom to go through. Wow, Jim, that's really really good. That that's I knew it would be. Of course. <laughs> no, but it's so true. Yeah, because without boundaries, I mean, we'll go anywhere. That's why we teach our our young kids. You know, when we're teaching our children when they're growing up, we teach them boundaries. Don't play on the street. Don't, don't cross the road. Don't do these different things. It's not to that we want to be mean. We're trying to limit them. It's, it's to keep them safe. And it's the same thing in our lives. We need to have boundaries. And that's so often it's the case that I see, you know, a couple of you know, people coming into long-term relationships. There's, there's no boundaries, you know, and, and it's partially the influence that we see in the world today is there's just there's no boundaries. People don't have boundaries. They get into a relationship. They continue to act and react. I mean, I know of a woman that got, got married. And she was successful, had a successful career. She had everything going for her. She had a routine. She had her friends. She had all that stuff. And she got married. She said she was not going to change one thing. The only thing she was changing was the fact that she was now sleeping in a bed with a man called her husband. She wasn't changing, going out date nights with her girlfriends, hanging out, doing her stuff, doing her work, going on business trips. None of, nothing was changing. But, you know, just just her thing but that's so often the attitude that people have it's like okay i'm going to be in this long term relationship i'm just going to do whatever i want to do i'm just going to carry on but it so just out of curiosity how long did that one last i don't know i've lost track of where they were on things <laughs> i haven't heard since i don't think it would have lasted long or it's just going to turn into one of those 
miserable relationships where, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the one spouse just kind of stonewalls and just shuts down and just kind of goes through life thinking this is it. And again, it goes back to, you know, just poor education, not knowing that there's a better way or a different way that we're called to be fulfilled. We're called all these different things. Yeah. How much better is it when, you know, you're actually looking forward to your spouse coming home from work or even if uh, if someone knocks on your door without calling in advance, heaven forbid, and knocks on your door and it's not a convenient time, but it's your friend and you're so happy that they've come. It doesn't matter that you haven't done your dishes or, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and so I, I think getting to these stages, it just, when you take the negative stuff out, it's so much easier to get through life and to focus on the things that we need to focus on. Sure. Sure. And I think that's key, you know, focus on what's mat what matters, you know, like you say, so what the dishes didn't get done. So what the, you know, the dirty laundry is still kicking around the floor. So what, you know, it, it's just kind of picking the battles. It's kind of choosing what's, what's important in the moment. You know, I had a friend, he, he came into the house. I remember this was years ago when the kids were younger and the house was in disarray and he came to the house. I said, well, excuse the mess. And he's, he looked at me, he says, there's no excuse. He said, this is, this is life. You know, this is, this is what it is. And he said, no, there's a difference between dirty dirt and clean dirt. He said, if I came in and you know, there was just dirt and filth everywhere, that's one thing. But he said, just having stuff messed around, that's, that's just life. You know, but we've become so conditioned by, by media right? By social media and all the other platforms that, oh, we post the, the perfect pictures. We post all the nice shots. We, we make everything look so glamorous. The problem is we, we fail to see all the work that went in between all those photos and yeah. stuff that happens behind there, right? We forget about that stuff. And now we've excused it saying, well, that shouldn't happen in my life, right? But it, it's so important that we come back to that place. You know, you were talking earlier about, you know, God being love and absolutely true. God is love. And that, you know, out of that expression, he's allowed us to love and encourage others. But I think the thing that's missing sometimes is we forget how to love ourselves. Yeah. And to the degree that we love ourselves is the degree that we'll love other people. Right. The degree that we allow God to love us is the degree that we'll love other people. When we get this in order, then we can begin to step out and love people fully. Okay, Jim. So that's, that's really important how does someone get to a spot when they love themselves? I think, you know, let's, let's do, let's do some, let's do some personal inventory and let's do it on a regular basis, right? Let's look at ourselves. I mean, do you, you know, do you find yourself running through the house and avoiding mirror contact? You know, do you avoid looking at yourself? I think, you know, that that's the first place is looking at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, am I avoiding my own eye contact? You know, if I'm standing there in the mirror, you know, brushing my hair and putting on my makeup, am I avoiding looking at myself? Because if 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 that's where you are, then we need to start to just have an examination. You know, Oswald Chambers is one of my favorite writers, and he said we need to take spiritual inventory. We need to take personal inventory daily. We can no more afford to go a day without taking spiritual inventory than we can take a day without breathing. So yeah. taking that day, that time every day and just saying, okay. God, I've read your word. I've focused on your word. I, you know, I'm planting seeds. I'm doing all that stuff. You know, what's in my heart that needs to be changed? And I think that's what it's, it, it, it really comes down to is looking at ourselves and being honest with ourselves and just saying, okay, 
Jim, you're not, you know, you're not really rising up to the bar on this level. You're, you're holding this grudge. You're being judgmental. You're whatever the case is and just allowing and, and coming to the place of just forgiving ourselves. I mean, the truth is none of us are perfect. None of us ever will be perfect, but it's just forgiving what we've done because that doesn't define us. It's what the next step is. It's accepting forgiveness and the next step that's going to define us. That's what's going to keep propelling us and moving us forward. So it's taking inventory daily, weekly, monthly, looking at ourselves, not being a, a harsh critic, but just an honest reflection of who am I? You know, I came home today. I was extra aggravated with the kids or with my spouse, with my partner, with my neighbor. Why? Why? You know, ask yourself the tough question. Why was I so aggravated? Why did that set me off? Not just accept it. You know, so often people say, oh, that's just me. That's not just you. Right. That there's that's a response to something. That's a reaction to something. Why is that? And and begin to examine that. And I think it's as we open up and allow you know, the spirit to just shine that light ever so deeper into our heart that then things will begin to unfold. We can begin to deal with those things and move forward. As you were saying that, it was taking me back to a period in my life where I'd gone through three major shoulder surgeries. And, you know, I found myself easily where it was like, you know, I was angry. I was yelling at the kids. It was like, if anybody walked across the floor, it was like, you know, and you know, I'd have them be like, why are you so mad? And it'd be at first, it was like, just because I am. But as I started to look at it, you know, it was like, what was the source of that anger? Really, it was pain. Like mm -hmm. I had unmanaged pain, I wasn't able to take painkillers. Um, I didn't know how to cope or deal with that pain. And so, you know, because I didn't know how to deal with it within myself, the easiest thing was to try to control that's what right. was outside of me, but then that just caused more relationship issues. It caused arguments, fighting, you know, escalated where everybody's yelling in the house at each other. And then things would just continue escalating. And the true problem didn't get solved and things just got more stressful. Yeah. You know, so I like that. Like if, you know, in those situations, if we can pause and just take that moment to say, why, why do I feel this way? You know, and look at what's behind that and bring that before the Lord. Yeah. Then that helps us to, you know, it kind of manages the whole environment. Yeah. And if, and if mama's upset, everybody's upset. That's Let's great. That's great. Right. Yeah, no, that's so true. And, and I mean, the truth is we're either reacting or we're responding. Right. We're react. We're either reacting to a situation or we're responding to it. A reaction is the way you did. You, you know, you're lashed out because of everything is uncomfortable. Response is, OK, you know what? I, I, I'm not feeling well. Can you just kind of, you know, tone it down a little bit? And and so often that's uh, you know, that's that's the thing that, you know, it's exactly what you said. You know, we, we try to control external circumstances when we're not feeling well, when we we feel like we're losing control and we're lashing out. We're trying to find some control or gain control someplace. And that happens so much in in relationships. And I think that was powerful. Kind of what you just said. I caught something as you were saying that, that when we respond, we give that like we're expressing our need and we're giving that individual the opportunity to minister. And when we just react, we're literally withholding that opportunity for our loved one to minister to us in that relationship. 
Yeah, that's good. I, I actually never thought of it at that deep of a level because you're right. If if we're reacting, then we're we're staying guarded and controlled, and and we're we're trying to dictate. Whereas if we're responding, we're being vulnerable, aren't we? We're being vulnerable and and just saying, okay, I I'm in a point in time of weakness. I'm in excruciating you know excruciating pain. I need you know instead of lashing out, I just need some comfort. I need some encouragement. I need some support. I need a little bit of help here. So that that's that's really great. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we often share on this program, and I know you've heard me say this lots of times, Jim, is uh, everything is created in the spirit first. Everything. Mm -hmm. Everything is created in the spirit first. So if you're acting and reacting, you're not operating in the spirit. Really, you're just acting and reacting. Instead, because we're made in the image of God and we're called to do things, we're called to create and to manifest. <laughs> You know, yeah. we create yeah. it in the spirit and then it manifests here. Uh, we don't need to react. We can create the things that need to happen. And we can do that through our prayer, through our conversations with God, and just from believing that it will happen. Uh, so, you know, you can actually believe your relationship will get better uh, because if I put in this amount of work, my relationship is going to mature and get better. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, and it's so true in, you know, relationships, uh, when things go wrong, what do we focus on? We focus on the negative stuff that's happening. We focus on all the bad things, the wrong things, the ugly things, the nasty things that that person is doing rather than focusing on the good things. You know, one of the last things I'll, when I'm a wedding officiant in Ontario. So the last thing I say to any couple that I'm performing a ceremony with, I'll say, remember the I do's that led up to this moment. <clears throat> So that even afterwards, that you're, you're reflecting on the I do's, not reflecting on the the I problems, right? You're reflecting on the I do's that, that brought you to that stage. And it's the same in our relationships. You know, if we could get to that point of just focusing on, you know, the the, the reason why we wanted invested, the reason why we chose to, to be with that person, I think it would start to change things around because you're right. So often we let the outward circumstances dictate how we're going to re respond or react or feel or anything else. Ah, that's so good, Jim. So Jim, you've compiled a list uh, and I've seen your teachings. Uh, really, you have 11 F words that you use um, and each one of them, they're, they're I don't want to say, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's not hard to do. And that's one of the key things. It's just, if as long as you know this and you put things through these F word filters, uh, I, you know, I think it's pretty much guaranteed your, all your relationships are going to rise up. But out of those 11, Jim, what are the three most important F words that you have? And tell me about each one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really believe that the, the you know, the, the, the most important ones are, first of all, faith and 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 your, you know, your family and your finances. Those are those are three top ones. You know, I tell people with their faith, it's important. Uh, you know, I've I've mentored couples that have been married for five, six, seven years. They come from completely different faith backgrounds. In fact, I had a I had a meeting with a man that would be married for 25 years. 25 years ago, when he got married, he knew he and his wife had opposite views on faith. They didn't think it was going to be a problem. 25 years later, guess what? It's a huge problem. And I've seen it, you know, in the, in the earlier stages of relationships as well. It's important for this reason, that if, if, if we compromise and get into a relationship with someone that has a complete opposite view of faith, 
that, you know, which is fine on, on friendships and relationships, but I'm talking about a serious long-term relationship. It, it, it can only cause division, right? So we need to get to that place where we at least agree. I mean, you have, you may have different ways of expressing that faith, but, and agreeing on it. And the biggest reason is this, that none of us should get into a relationship unless we, until we know what the call of God is on our lives. So we know the direction, the plans, the purposes, the things that he has for us. Because if we get into a relationship and we say faith doesn't matter, we get into a relationship with someone and all of a sudden they're, you know, he's calling us this way and the other one's getting called this way. Now there's a decision that has to be made. You either follow God or you fo follow that relationship. And so oftentimes people will just follow that relationship. They'll, they'll compromise their value. They'll compromise their call just for the sake of a relationship. So faith, I think, is really important. Finances is really important as well because you being the money guy, you know that, that that can get you in and out of trouble quicker than anything. And today with the accessibility to money, to be able to get it, I, I know a couple I talked to that the, the one partner, I won't say who, the one partner went and secretly got a $25,000 line of credit, ran the thing up, couldn't afford to pay for it, and then had to come clean. That put a lot of stress on the relationship. But mm -hmm. it's the whole thing of finances. So when you're even when you're at the dating, the courting stage and, and, and even in getting into a relationship or even considering relationship, look at the way the person is handling their money. Look at their approach, their, their thoughts towards money. How, are they living well beyond their means? Are they living within their means? Start looking at those different things in that. And then the other one. And discuss is, it, right? Oh, <laughs> and, and absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And don't be afraid to, you know, if you're just entering into a relationship or if this is a a priority on your relationship don't be afraid to walk away at that early stage rather than just getting engaged with it because oftentimes we'll we'll come up with this line oh they'll change uh, i can make them change right and we and we get into relationships thinking that we're going to change this person no you, you need to be really wise moving in uh into relationship into marriage um you know if if these things are kind of red flags if you have completely opposite you know don't don't use that as an excuse. You know, we hear that expression, opposites attract. Well, that doesn't mean opposites have to get married. It doesn't mean opposites have to, you know, blend their money together, right? You have to be really wise when it comes to this stuff. And Jim, I'm so glad you put that in the top three. Obviously, stewardship is, you know, the one thing that really God has called me to be uh, super passionate about. And I'll just say this, you know, as you, as you mentioned, Jim, you know, financial hardship or blessings, uh, a blessing can be a curse. Hardship can be a curse. It's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, either way, if you really want to know where someone's heart is, watch what they do with their money. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> it, 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 I'm telling you, it really is, it will tell you a lot about any person. Uh, and, and you might be in that relationship right now for 20 years and you've never even considered that question. But uh, I'd say consider it. And now... Uh, so you said the faith, you said the finances, and I think the the second one that you mentioned, Jim, is probably one of the most difficult ones, and that's family. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you to expand on that because this is really these are really great tools for our audience to take forward, and I know they're going to be blessed by this. Yeah. So with with family, it's really important on a number of different levels. One is if you want to know what your future partner is going to be like, look at their look at their parents. They're probably going to like be like one or other or both of them, right? Because they've been raised in that environment their entire life. They're going to be bringing that skill set or lack of skill set into the relationship. Plus, genetically, they're hardwired the same as those those parents. And so 
mentally, emotionally, physically, all those different things, you may be looking at what your future partner is going to look like and acting like and responding like. So you want to have a look at that as you're, if you're in the dating scene, if you're in the, you know, just the courting scene, uh, you want to have a look at that. You know, how is this person interact with their family? What are their family stories? You know, what are they like? I mean, we all have the crazy aunts and uncles that do goofy things, but I'm talking, you know, the overall, you know, belief section, you know, system, the structure of who they are as a family. Uh, all those things are really, really important. And also recognize that when you get married, you become your family. You're, you're now the family. You're, you're your own family unit, right? God said, you know, when, when, when a man and woman leave, they cleave to each other. That means they get, they disengage from that family unit and they become their own family unit. They start their own family unit. That means you need to look at it and say, okay, how much influence am I going to allow my family to have on my life? Even if it means financial restrictions, even if it means other things, because so often parents or grandparents will hold that card over top of young couples and say, well, if you do this, this and this, I'm going to give you this, this and this. Right. And they hold those things over. So you have to look at it. And together you have to decide how much influence are we going to allow from outside of our family? You know, you remember that sitcom show, Everyone Loves Raymond, right? Raymond and his wife and his children, they lived across the street from their parents. Well, the parents just barged in all the time, took over. They were always trying to control things and doing whatever they wanted to do. Always, almost always against what Raymond was trying to do in his family. So you need to look at that and say, okay, we are now our own family unit. You know, that's what God has ordained and, and designed here. So what is that structure going to look like? What things are we going to bring in? What things are we going to bring in from your family, from my family? What is going to be our way now together as a family unit? And look at that. And the other thing on the family side of it is as you're getting married or before you're talking about getting married is how big of a family are you going to have a family? Like have those conversations, you know, you, you don't want to be having that conversation five years into the marriage going, oh, you don't want to have children. I wanted to have six, you know, like you don't want to have that conversation that you want to have that one before. So those are three areas of family that I think are really important to have discussions around. And and even if you've been married for, you know, 20, 30 years, if you've never really drawn those boundary lines, yeah, I think I think you're you're missing some freedom in your own marriage uh, by doing that. Yeah, absolutely right. And and it's never a never a, a bad time to start looking at these things. And so, like you say, if somebody that's into a marriage for you know twenty or thirty years, uh, you can still have these conversations. You can still write the ship. You can still create some real freedom because as you get older, we want to enjoy that freedom. We want to enjoy that liberty. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we have some friends that have they're they're older than us. They're a few years older than us, so they've been married probably about 45, 46 years. They have never had an empty home. Children coming and going, coming and going all the time. They've never had an empty home. And, you know, which is great that, you know, wonderful if that's what you really designed. But is that really what you designed? You know, so it's having those conversations around it and saying, OK. When is our time? Is is this really what you know we want our family home to be like? Is this really what the structures to be like? And and having those conversations um, because, you know, uh, a large percentage, you know, there's almost 45, 35 to 40 percent divorce rate in North America. And. A lot of them happen, divorce rates happen in the earlier stages, you know, within the first seven, eight years of marriage. But there's also a, a large chunk of it that happens after 25 and 30 years of marriage. So people that, you know, get married, have their children, build their careers, work their whole lives, and then all of a sudden bring their, you know, their heads come back up and they go, who are you? Where am I? What have I done? 
and, and then they end up separating because they've never had these conversations along the way. And yeah. so, you know, it's so important to talk about these things, you know, again, just doing inventory is, is a good thing. My wife and I at every stage, every five, 10 years, we'll sit down and we'll look at things. You know, when I, I turned 62 years ago and I, I started looking at 70, we started projecting the next 10, 10 years saying, okay, where do we want to be? What do we want to do? How are we going to adjust these things? You know, what are our values now? What are our purposes now? Are they still the same? And how do we adjust them to continue to make it work with where we are right now? Yeah. So future is one of the other F words. And that's, uh, that's, right. that's a big thing and to, to be on the same page uh, going ahead, because if you're both looking at the same spot, even though you might have different ways of getting there, uh, it's really important because you both know the destination. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And, uh, you know, and just, you know, just one of the last chapters we talk about is, is being flexible. It's just not getting so rigid, not taking ourselves so serious, just having some fun and just going with the flow. I mean, you know, 20 months ago, nobody could see what was going to happen to the planet. We had to be flexible. We had to adapt. We had to readjust. We couldn't just sit back and say, woe is me, you know, and, and, you know, tuck our tail between our legs and just hide in the corner. We had to readjust. We had to continue on. And it's the same in relationships, to, in marriage relationships, personal relationships, staying flexible. So what? You didn't go to the restaurant that you wanted to go to on Tuesday night. You'll get there next Tuesday. Like, just be flexible and go along with it and just enjoy it. Yeah. So good. <laughs> well, you know, Jim, I'll, I'll, my personal confession, that is the one I struggle with most out of, out of all 11 yeah. is the flexible. Uh, I've, uh, I've been accused of being bullheaded in the past, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, listen, I carefully think about things. I draw my boundaries. I stick to my guns, right? <laughs> you know, uh, but you, listen, there, there has to be, you have to go with, uh, with it and respect others. So, and, you know, one of the things that uh, I didn't, I'm not, I'm actually not ashamed to say this, but when I proposed to my wife, I actually brought my Bible and I read her all the verses about marriage in the Bible. Oh Yeah. Uh, because listen, this is the expectation that that I have, and if you're not on the same, uh, if you're not on the same playing field, then you know, say no. Well, but I said it in such a romantic way. I'm sure you did. Obey your husband. <laughs> but I, I did it in old old King James English. Thou shalt belong to your husband. <laughs> You gave her the whole Charlton Heston Moses thing, did you? We, we now know she's the greatest woman on the face of this earth. I'm telling you, Jeff, you know, either that or you just brought so much humor to her life. She was like, I just can't resist. I have to have this one. That's right. I got to see what's next. No, it, this, right? this was the greatest sales job of my life to get my the wife. The never ending show. You, I really, really married up <laughs> in many ways. Trust me. She is a wonderful um, but, woman. Oh my goodness, yeah, she is. And and you know what? Listen, I'll tell you, I I you know I went through, and this is maybe just an encouragement for someone who out there who is single. Um, look, I was a musician. I had a little bit of a wild lifestyle, you might say. Um, then I became a single father, and I'll tell you something. When I became a single father, I felt I'm not going to date someone unless I think that there's even a chance I'll marry them. Hmm. And so that became a filter. I wasn't just dating for dating's sake. I very seldom went out. I didn't introduce any women into my daughter's life uh, at that point in time, not in a serious way. 
And I actually waited on God for 10 years for the right woman to come into my life. Hmm. Single for 10 years, waited on God. Will my marriage last forever? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. And I think there's some wisdom in that. And, and there's some lessons that we can all glean from that. You know, I mean, how many of us have gotten in relationships in the past where, you know, just because the person made us laugh or they just kind of blink their eyes at us and, you know, made us feel important in the moment and we get into a relationship with them and and we've you know spent a lot of time, invested a lot of emotional energy and physical energy. And then all of a sudden we realize that this isn't going anywhere and it, you know, is ruin and devastation. And and yeah, I mean, there's some great wisdom in that. You know, I could, if we had time, I could tell you part of my life story where, you know, one woman batted her eyes at me and it took me off track for about two years and almost killed me. Tell us, you can't leave us on a cliffhanger <laughs> with that one. Well, when this was just before I met my wife, um, I was, I was, um, I was single for a little while. I, I, try, I, I left everything here in Ontario and I was going to move out West. I had a friend that moved out West and he had a job opportunity. So I said, I'm heading West. I got halfway. And the person that was traveling with me, he ran out of money and then started, you know, using language like, I'm not going to be working. I'm not going to be doing that. And I'm not going to be supporting and dragging this guy. So I turned around and went home. And so I left my job, left relationships, broke off with girls and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm lonely, not working, and things are really not the greatest. And so I did what everybody else would do in that moment. I just turned to, you know, just drinking and, and uh, you know, just enjoying drugs a little bit. And I started hanging out at a strip club. And that was just my routine, just drinking beer and going to strip clubs. And I remember coming out of the strip club. And um, as I was leaving, there was a girl sitting by the door and she just looked up with these big brown eyes and blinked her eyebrows and said hi to me. And that was it. And we entered into a relationship. She was a stripper and I dated her for about a year and a half. But it was a year and a half from hell because it really it just dragged me completely off. And um, it, it, it took a while to to break out of that you know, that system. In fact, I had to run. I remember when I finally broke up with her, uh, Mary and I, I, I met Mary, my now wife. And, you know, we both had been laid off from temporary jobs and we were working at this, this place and we got to know each other a little bit. And it was just one of those moments where we saw each other and we just knew, like, there was just no question. There was just no doubt in each one of our hearts as we talk about it now. And so we, we talked, but I said to her, I said, look, I'm involved with this person and this this is the person from hell. Like, this is just going to be a challenge. And I remember when I broke it off with this girl, um, she threatened me. I had, I had uh, bike members coming to my home, you know, threatening to break my knees and all that wonderful stuff for, for a while. And I, um, I finally ended it. I came home and I'm out of breath because I'm, I'm, I had to run home. Like, so I'm in one city, I'd run to the next city to, to come home and I, I ran home and I'm hiding in backyards, hiding in behind buildings to, to get home. I got home, I'm out of breath and I called up Mary and I said, I did it. She says, what? I said, I, I finally broke it off with her. I said, we're, we're free to, you know, to, to date and to be together. And she goes, okay, that's fine. She says, but I don't drink. I don't smoke. I, I won't have sex. And if you still want to go out, we can go out. And that was the beginning of a 40 year relationship. But those two years, just because I was lonely and desperate and and vulnerable, uh, the first person that batted their eyes and paid attention to me, I jumped into a relationship with, and it was a uh, it was just oh, and that's a dark hole going down. Oh, brutal. Yeah, brutal. it's a it's a, and I feel sorry for those uh, 
women in that profession. That, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, a lot and, that's of why I say, and that's why I say there's great wisdom in what you did. And I want to encourage people, you know, if you're at that place where you feel like you're vulnerable, you feel lonely, lean in to God's presence, allow him to fill that void and wait on him, wait for his best. I followed this girl because I thought that was the best. I discovered a year later that God had other plans and he introduced me to his best. And it was a big fight and battle to get separated so that I could follow his best. So be willing to, to wait, wait upon him and let him be enough for you to feed you emotionally, physically, spiritually, be that comfort. That's, I mean, that's what he refers to himself. He's the comforter. Allow him to be that comfort and wait on him. One of the interesting things about that story, though, Jim, is uh, when you, because you had met Mary before you broke off and you had actually told her, so you defined some of your boundaries and limitations right off the bat with her. So there was some real wisdom in there. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mary was really wise as well. She, she, she read, you know, she read me her riot act and let me know what her boundaries are and where she was on things. And, and I said, you know what, after this last year and a half, I'll try anything. <laughs> so we, yeah. started, we started to date. And that was the that was a turnaround point, um, you know, for, for my life. And um, yeah, it was through that that uh, through that moment in time that I met the Lord and, and came to a place of salvation. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a turnaround point in my life. Man, that's awesome. So. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're not going to leave you hanging here. Uh, we do have uh, Jim's course is available on Right On You right now. That's rightonyou.com, Foundations for Love. This is not only between a man and a woman. Again, this is how you relate to your children. This is how you relate to your cousins. This is how you relate to your boss, to your co-workers, to your friends, and how you relate to God in the midst of all your relationships. And uh, Jim has generously uh, come down in a, to a very low price from what we used to sell this at uh, when we were doing speaking tours. In fact, uh, we're going to give you a special coupon as launch special uh, today that, you know, quite honestly gives you the course for under what one hour of Jim's time would be. And you get a lot of wisdom. And the beautiful thing about this is it's about 13 videos. They're bite size. Uh, if you wanted to go through it in two hours or so, but maybe a little bit more than two hours, uh, you could sit down and watch it with your husband, your wife, or your friend, or just even by yourself and to start to work on these things because relationships are one of the most important things to God and what we're called to. And let's face it, you could have all the money in the world if you don't have relationships, you have nothing. So I encourage each one of you, look, it's uh, if you could spend, uh, and I'll just let you know that the uh, the price of the course is 149. That's the number that uh, we ask. That's full price. We're going to give it to you today for $77. So it's like 49% off. Uh, we're going to keep this going probably till the end of the month when our other discounts uh, go away. So look for 77 bucks. If you could set up yourself for your life with better relationships and just knowing these foundational things, I think this, listen, we, we talk about health on right on you. We talk about wealth on right on you. This is the missing piece. This is relationships. This is the missing piece. And so, by the way, if you are already a student on right on you, check your email 
because today I've sent you out a discount that's a little bit deeper than the one we're offering here right now. Uh, so don't hesitate. We're starting a new year. You want to start off your new year. This isn't making resolutions or anything like that. This is making your life better, making your life more enjoyable, making other people walk away from you with the sense that they they miss you already because you walked out the door or they feel so much better about their life because you had the tools in your toolkit to know where to meet that person and know where to draw the boundaries. I really believe this is such a great thing. So go to right on you. That's right on with the letter U, right on you.com. And right at the very top, you're going to see Foundations for Love by Jim Hetherington. Uh, he's a trusted man. He's very, very wise. Uh, obviously, he, you know, we threw some tough questions at him. He was able to easily handle them. Uh, so go get this course, make your life better. And I want to thank Jim for being on Right On You. And Jesse, of course, it's always a pleasure uh, to be with you. I love my sister in Christ. And and Jesse, I'm going to use some of these uh, relational tips on our relationship as well. That, that would be great, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get along really well. But listen, uh, there's we some do. areas where I know I can improve in my relationship <laughs> with Jesse as well. Listen, Jesse's my coworker. She's my sister in Christ. We spend a I lot of time together. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, so this is really important. It's really good. And Jim, I appreciate that you took the call and, uh, and you've allowed us, you've blessed us with, uh, being able to put this on the platform and, uh, we're going to put in some more stuff later on. So thank you for being on right on radio. Any final words, Jim? No, I just appreciate. Yeah. Just hanging out with both of you guys. This was great. And it was fun having that uh, interaction, Jesse. I really appreciate yeah, that. that that was fun. And uh, yeah, no, I really appreciate this. I, I, I you know, I just, uh, like you say, it just, it just comes from 25 years, 30 years of, of, you know, working with people. And that's where this is. I remember sitting with a couple and they, you know, I was talking to them about their upcoming marriage and I started sharing some of these thoughts and ideas. And this person, she was 25 years old and she looked at me, she says, nobody's ever told me these things. She felt so ripped off that she had lived 25 years and nobody ever told her any of these things. And there was a tear coming down her face. And so that's that's how important these things are. So I'm really glad to yeah. connect with you. I'm happy to connect with you to get this out and uh, encourage people with. Uh, amen. Hey, listen, everybody. Remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. 